Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Shh, not a day over 30. <laughs> not one day over 30. Nope. Uh, no. We're... Okay. You're not going to tell the truth? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. Not happening. Not today, homie. <laughs> oh, shoot. Yeah, today is my mom's birthday, and she's the big... 3-0, and I'm 30, so that's awkward. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you can't uh, be 30. I would be zero. Wait, I refuse to admit my age because I don't feel my age. I did a Snapchat filter today with Ezra, and um, it, like tells you how old you were it told me i was five years old like seven times in a row what and her <laughs> and her 15 and i'm like what the heck really yeah that's funny yeah yeah don't mind me i'm gonna have a little birthday drink um, here so i just have to say hats off to our oregon listeners they have the most downloads of our podcast out of every other state Oregon? Oregon. Wow. Thanks, yeah. guys. That's awesome. Yeah. We love and appreciate each and every one of our listeners. And thank you for bearing with us through this audio crap that we're oh. struggling with. We were 15 minutes into our recording and like it started screeching on us and then the recording just stopped out of nowhere. Um, so we are getting new equipment, hopefully in the next couple days. Yeah, I told my son-in-law, I don't care how much expedited shipping is, <laughs> hit that button. Yeah, because we're just really struggling. Like, I don't know if, like, the screeching is frying the, the little box or what, but we're a lot more echoey. Even though, like, the settings are all the same, it's it's just a shit show. We so, are literally frustrated with it. We do appreciate your patience and the leniency. and Yes. Um, it'll get better. We are going to do better for you guys. We promise. Just hang in there with us. We got this sooner or later. Right? Yes. yes. Hopefully more on the sooner side than the later side but expedited shipping yep <laughs> you, i'm telling you you yeah. better hit that i want it overnighted i don't care what it costs yeah our listeners deserve better than what we're giving them so i know yes but okay would you like some true crime news yeah okay in selena kansas a 13 year old girl was taken into custody last weekend after her father reportedly caught her trying to kill him while he slept while in custody, she told the police she wanted to kill her parents. For the whole story, you can find this at truecrimedaily.com. Sounds like a real winner there. A 13-year-old. <sighs> I Like, you know, I think back to when I was 13, and I was the good kid, quote-unquote. <laughs> um, you know, I would, I would get pissed off at you, but I would never want to be like, I want to kill you. Yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, imagine punching you in the arm really hard. I wouldn't want to punch your face. Dude, you called me a bitch one time. And, you know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. It, that did not go over well, did it? No. No. <laughs> Next thing I knew, I was crying. You damn right you were. <laughs> but we can't do that in this day and age. Oh, well, we can. Well, it's very frowned upon. Yeah, but you know what's funny? What? All you got to do is tell your kids, hand them the phone and say, yeah, go ahead and call CPS. Say goodbye to your designer clothes. Oh, I heard that a lot. Say goodbye <laughs> to your dirt bikes. Say goodbye to your horses. Say goodbye to your side-by-side. -side. Say goodbye to your Xbox, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. Yeah. Go ahead. Call CPS. Oh, yeah. I go heard, ahead. I heard that a lot. Yeah, you did. I think <laughs> I tried to hand you the phone, too. Yeah. And let me tell you what. Sometimes a 48 to a 72-hour hold sounds like a freaking vacation to me, so bring it. I know. Like, 
yeah, throw me in jail for a couple days. I'll sleep the whole freaking time. Right. I am so sleep deprived. Oh, me too. Well, Rain just had her second surgery on her leg. Yeah. And she is not sleeping. Neither is my kid. Oh, my gosh. I'll trade you. You can take my dog and I'll take the kid. Well, be, par- be prepared to get hit and kicked. That bad? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's... he just he just had a meltdown, and um, I tried changing his clothes, mm-hmm. and he was kicking and slapping and screaming, and um, but he doesn't do that with my husband, because when he tries, like he'll hold, he'll put his arm down and hold it there for three seconds, and then he'll let his arm go, mm-hmm. letting him know, like you're not gonna do that. Well, I tried that, and I got it ten times worse. Oh, my. So finally, I just walked away for a minute. (laughs) That's the best thing you can do, though. Uh, Yeah. When you get frustrated, you just got to walk away. Yeah. Because I woke up at like 3 Mm a.m., the witching hour, and my stomach just hurt. Like, I couldn't get comfortable. I was tossing and turning. It was weird. Really? Yeah. I don't know what the hell it was. My dog wakes me up at the witching hour every night, and I hate it because <laughs> she wants me to go outside with her. Yeah. I don't want to go outside in the witching hour. No. But I do because, yeah. you know, my dog's a spoiled brat. At anyway. least you're in town. I d- you know how dark it is in my backyard? Do you know how dark it is out here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Okay, let's go on. Yeah. Um, um, December Awareness Month? Oh, yeah. Okay, so we have... HIV, AIDS, universal human rights, seasonal affective disorder, which is seasonal depression, which affects us North Dakota people really bad because we have like nine months of winter. Um, it gets dark at what, 5, 5.30? Yep. Can so confirm. Can confirm, yes. That does happen here. We don't get enough sun. We can't get outside enough because, yeah. you know, 40 below plus wind chill right but luckily well i guess it's supposed to snow tomorrow what it's supposed to snow tomorrow shit <laughs> shit <laughs> that's all, all we can say it's shit okay what else you got uh learn a foreign language which i have always wanted to speak spanish i took german in high school i really suck at it so i'm not even gonna try Zu yeah i know what that means <laughs> go to hell you taught me that one i did um kishmik Kiss me. Uh, what else do we got? We got Dressember, which uses fashion to advocate for women who've been exploited for their femininity. I said it right. Don't look at me like that. I, I was what? concerned about your... Um, we're doing another video trial, and Dean didn't want that up in your face because of the video. Like, Can you like bend it like mine? I got a lot of wrinkles to cover. It's my birthday. <laughs> okay. Fine. No, I feel like if I move it away, I have to scream. It'll, I promise, as soon as we get new equipment, I won't have to have it up in my face. Yeah, that's true. Never mind. He's just going to have to get over it for now. Okay, I'll move <laughs> it a little bit. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. Damn it. So what are we doing today? Paris Lee Bennett. Never heard of her. Her, well, him, her, him. Yeah. Let's just get right into it. Yeah, because there's probably best bet. There is a victim impact statement. It's really long, but I feel like it needs to be read. So there's that. I'm gonna take a drink before we start. You could have waited till I was done with mine. <laughs> it's my birthday. I get to do whatever I want. Cheers, bitch. Ooh, right here. Hmm. <laughs> That's good shit. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to jump into some background before we get to the heart of this case. We're going to start with James and Kyla Bennett. Both of them had been married several times. James had been married five times and Kayla seven or eight times. She kind of lost count. What? Yeah. Uh, not to judge or anything, but I don't think I've ever heard of anybody been married that many times. 
Just Elizabeth Taylor. That's the only one that I know of. She's an actress? Yes. Oh, okay. That's what I thought, but I don't know much about her. Um, I know she was pretty, like, an icon. Uh, yes. Okay. You're just the wrong generation. Yes, very beautiful lady, but known for getting married and remarried and divorced. And yeah, but anyway. No judgment. No, no judgment. What did you say? You got to get through the... You got to get through all the bad apples to get to a good one. Can confirm. (laughs) Can confirm. Sometimes it takes a couple times. Yep. Or seven or eight times or however long it takes, man. Just find the good one. Piss on them bad apples. Throw them suckers out. Okay. Together, they had a daughter named Charity. Their marriage ended in divorce, but when Charity was six years old, they reunited, took a trip to Las Vegas, and remarried. But, and I say that in all caps here, but. Oh. <laughs> Are what you ready do you for this? Have? Oh, I got some shit. You ready? Yeah. Within 57 hours, 57 hours of hours, 57 hours of being remarried, I lost my place. Charity's father was found murdered execution style in their home. Oh. <laughs> Kyla Bennett, Charity's mom, was arrested and charged with conspiracy to commit murder. Allegedly, she hired the trigger man. Unfortunately, she was found not guilty by a jury of her peers. Now, it is speculated by many that she got away with murder, that she manipulated the jury and she got away with murder. Dang. After all my research on this case, I truly believe the speculation. Wow. Yep. I'm going to have to dig more into that. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, but we're not going any further into this right now because this case is about her grandson, Paris. Okay. Maybe the apple fell way too close to the tree in this case. Ooh. Ew. So here we go. Charity's life was far from perfect. She grew up wealthy, obviously, because there was one hell of an inheritance at the death of her father. Just saying. (coughs) I'm not. Yeah. But unfortunately, that meant being raised by nannies while her mom was out living the high life. Uh, That's not fair. No. Charity grew up craving her mom's approval and attention. But this never would be. Despite her shitty home life, Charity graduated high school early. She was very intelligent. Unfortunately, not intelligent enough to stay away from drugs. I got to turn my page. When she was around the age of 16, she became addicted to heroin. Dang. Okay, but this this part that I'm going to tell you right now is going to make you mad. Oh, God. It's going to just kiss you off. You ready? No. So she was addicted to heroin. Uh-huh. 16 years old. When she asked her mother for help, her mother handed her a $100 bill and told her, you can do whatever you want with this. Go to treatment or buy enough heroin to overdose and kill yourself. Are you kidding me? Nope. Can you insert mom of the year award? That is laced with sarcasm. Okay, for one, $100 is not going to get you into rehab. No, right? But it'll buy you enough heroin to freaking kill yourself. For two, asking for help takes a lot. You literally have to swallow that pride pill of yours Mm -hmm. to ask for help. Absolutely. It's a hard thing to do. And I can confirm because. You know, with my son, when he was born and trying to figure out everything, there was times where I was just completely overwhelmed and I finally had to ask for help. Yeah. Well, you and, were sleep deprived. And it it was yeah. hard. Yep. Even to this day, asking for help is hard, but... It's something I'm working on, but it's it's not easy. No, it's not. So the fact that she went and asked her mother. Exactly. Her own mother for help. 
just to get an answer like that, burn in hell. Exactly. It's that's bullshit. Oh, how about, how about, yeah, let's get you into rehab. Let's do what we got to do to make you better. Well, she's a wealthy mother, Mm -hmm. but she's too busy living her high life that she doesn't want to help her own kid. Apparently not. What the hell? Well, some of the research I did, um, she might be a psychopath too, but I'm not sure. I didn't want to get into her that much because right. I think you could do a whole, whole a whole case ep- on her. Yes, I yeah. think we could do a whole episode on her and how the hell she got away with. That. She's a very manip- manipulative woman. Oh, I mean to manipulate a jury. The evidence was, from what I saw, the evidence was clear. I I am. I can't say that. Well, it's double jeopardy. She could. She could tell the whole world that she hired somebody now. She can't get tried again anyway. Right. But I am, I'm, my instincts and my, I'm pretty confident that she did it. Mm. So anyway, I have a a frog. Oh, okay. Yeah. (coughs) Cough, cough, cough. I hate that. So, um, where'd I leave off? Okay. Charity did go on to get herself sober. I don't have headphones on. Am I talking loud enough? Yeah. Okay. About a year after being sober, she met Paris's dad. Unfortunately, she was still very unhappy. People had been telling her that it'll get better, but it wasn't getting any easier for her, and she was seriously struggling. So Charity made a deal with herself that if she wasn't happy in a month, she was going to intentionally overdose. Oh, that's so devastating to think, to even think about. You know, she. She did the work. She asked for help. And it's not getting better. So now... Oh, okay. Okay. About two weeks later... Am I talking loud enough? A little. Okay. About two weeks later, she found out she was pregnant with Paris. And nothing else mattered anymore because she had Paris to look forward to. Aw, it was her saving grace. In fact, so much so that she just couldn't, she couldn't wait for the day when she could look at Paris in the face and tell him that he saved her life. Wow. This was an important moment. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Charity had left Paris's father while she was still pregnant, so she was going to be a single mom. Which is a good thing. I didn't put this in there, but it pops into my head. Um, He was found two years later roaming the streets, and he was diagnosed as, like, a schizophrenic psychopath, maybe. He was homeless and living on the streets and just wandering. So it's a good thing. So it's a good thing, but... Being a single mom is hard. Yeah, but keep in mind that diagnosis there. Okay. You've got the manipulative grandmother. Gra- you've got the grandmother who I'm sociopath or psychopath. I don't know which one. Okay. Which I, you know, I don't know if she'd ever been diagnosed, but just the research I did. Yeah. She's something. Okay. And then you got the dad. Oh, no. <sighs> yeah. Okay, so she fell in love with Paris before he was even born, and she made the decision that she was going to make sure this child was not raised the way she was. So on October 10th, 1993, Paris made his entrance into this world, and true to her word, Charity was a loving, doting mother who gave all of her attention to her baby boy. Paris was a very calm, artistic, and smart child with an IQ of about 142. Dang. He started drawing, like, at the age of three. When Charity became pregnant with Paris, or, excuse me, when Charity became pregnant with Ella, Paris was not happy at all, which was a little concerning. Well, I think that's kind of a normal thing for, like, firstborns and then... To know that another child is on the way, I feel like they're 
getting they probably think that they're gonna get deprived of attention love because all of the attention's gonna go to this newborn. I think you hear that a lot. And that is true. I mm-hmm. mean the newborn will get a lot of attention, but you never ever well at least I didn't. I, I loved didn't. you both. You know. Right. Okay. But when Ella was born, Paris fell in love with her. He drew pictures of Ella, played with her, blew bubbles, danced. Everywhere that Paris went, Ella wasn't far behind. Aww. Um, Ella called Paris her fashion consultant because he would pick out her clothes for her. How cute. Adorable. Me and my brother used to be like that once upon a time. <laughs> now we're just assholes to each other. <laughs> In fun. In fun. So Charity said, and I quote, I used to have parents come up to me and tell me how lucky I was that I had a 13-year-old that was so good with his little sister, unquote. So he's 13 right now. How old is Ella? Four. So 13. When he's 13, she's four. There's nine nine years difference. Okay. Unfortunately. Oh, I have. (coughs) Sorry. Don't tell me. I'm not going to tell you shit. Does Paris... I'm not telling. You just listen to the story. Unfortunately, at some point in time, Charity relapsed. And Paris was very, very angered by this. And everything went downhill from here. Are you ready? No. Okay, we're, we're going to do it anyway. On February 4th, 2007, which happened to be Super Bowl Sunday, Charity left her kids with a babysitter to go to work her shift at Buffalo Wild Wings. Around midnight, the cops showed up at Charity's place of work. They went into the office, and shortly thereafter, Charity was called in. The police told her that her daughter had been hurt, Charity demanded that they take her to Ella right now. They told her, you can't go. And when Charity asked why, they said, well, she's dead. What? She asked if her son was okay. Police told her that they had him. And it was at this point she was told that her 13-year-old son was the one who killed her 4-year-old daughter. Damn it. Oh, no. So this is where we're going to get into the murder. And I really want you guys to hear the 911 call. Um, so I'm going to try to hold my cell phone up to the mic so you guys can hear the 911 call. That's the only way I can think of to do it. Um, I hope it picks. I hope the equipment picks it up clear. If it doesn't come through clear on the recording... Just type in Paris Bennett 911 call in your search engine, and you should be able to locate it. It's it's very chilling and very heartbreaking. Um, so, like I said, if it doesn't come through, go listen to it. So I'm going to try that right now. Give me a second. We'll pause it. Okay, you got it up? I got it up. Are you guys ready? Okay. Here we go. Oh 
my goodness. So there's actually more to that 911 call. Um, she tried to talk him through compressions. And oh, this one's wrong. Um, he faked it. Why? Because he didn't want to save her. Why'd he kill her? We'll get to that. Oh, we'll continue then. Okay. Because I'm heartbroken right now. It gets worse. Oh. Earlier that evening, the babysitter, who happened to be a college student, took the kids out for supper. During supper, Paris had been planning in his head what he was going to do. When they arrived home after supper, they watched a movie and then Ella was put to bed for the night. At this time, Paris was in his room supposedly working on homework. But it would later be discovered that he was really, what he really was doing was looking at porn and not normal porn, very disturbing porn. I couldn't find any details on this, but my best guess is gore porn and snuff films. I was going to say gore porn because I think I covered that in you an did. earlier case. Yep. And snuff films. <clears throat> Somehow he convinced the babysitter that it was okay for her to leave. Ella was already in bed sleeping. He convinced the babysitter to leave? Yep. And it doesn't say how he convinced her. I have a couple different theories. You know, he was probably going to bed and Ella was already in bed. And mom was probably coming home soon. You know, I'm sure, I don't know how he convinced her, but he did. Wow. And he was 13. I mean, he could have been home with her. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So Ella was already in bed sleeping and his mom would be off work soon. He then went and grabbed a knife, went to Ella's room. He sexually assaulted his four-year-old sister. He hit her. I'm not sure how many times, and then went on to attempt to strangle her. But apparently she was staring into his eyes and he couldn't handle that and he panicked and he grabbed the knife and stabbed her 17 times. And he actually took his time stabbing her. He said he pulled the knife out slowly each time to relish the feeling. Are you kidding me? No. He admitted that he wanted her to be awake so she would be aware of who was doing this to her. What the? During the 911 call when he was instructed to try CPR and you can hear him counting out chest compressions, he was faking that. He was at no, at no point did he attempt to save his sister. And this was actually said, okay, wait a minute. Paris actually said to his mom, quote, you used to say you would never be able to kill someone unless they hurt one of your kids. I bet you didn't think it was going to turn out like this. So what are you going to do now? Unquote. We're going to just stop for a second because I need a deep breath. And I'm going to tell you. Um, so we went to Minot on Saturday, yesterday. And you know how... My son has his little wheelchair. Mm -hmm. Well, he, we were at Hobby Lobby. He grabbed onto the cart handle and I was pushing him and he was pushing the cart and my daughter was steering it. Really? Yes. Oh, it was the cute. cutest thing. I'll have to show you a photo. It was the most cutest thing ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's your um, palate cleanser. Because. <coughs> Like, when you were reading that, like, my chest got tighter and tighter. And I was like, I need a deep breath. So I'm okay. sure our listeners probably need a deep breath, too. Isn't that? Oh, that's adorable. Isn't that just OMG. So <laughs> that is cute. Oh, and okay. You ready? <sighs> yes. The motive for this murder was his resentment towards his mom, and he believed the best way to get revenge was to take away her children. So, one in the grave and the other behind bars. So, 
I know she relapsed. Was it just a one-time thing? That comes out in the victim statement, the victim impact statement. Okay. It just popped in my head. So. Yep. So Paris pled guilty in juvenile court to capital murder and was given the maximum sentence of 40 years in prison with the possibility of parole after 20 years. Uh, no. <laughs> During the proceedings, Paris was diagnosed as a psychopath and has admitted to having homicidal ideation since childhood. One year before the night he murdered his sister, he had actually attempted to stab his mom. and was put in a mental health facility for that. So he, a year before he killed Ella, he wanted or attempted to stab his mom. Yes. At that point, she was still clean. So what was his reasoning for wanting to stab her then? I don't know. Wow. I do not know. You're right. The apple definitely fell close to the tree. Yep. In 2021, Charity ceased all contact with Paris. Once it was discovered, he was involved with a woman and were planning a mass shooting only two hours from where Charity lived. Charity has been advised that if Paris ever gets paroled, that she needs to move to an undisclosed location to keep herself safe. So, now, okay, that says it all right there. Don't give him parole. I don't think he'll ever get I freaking hope not. So I'm going to tell you, if you would like to go more in depth into this case, there is a book called How Now Butterfly, and it was actually written by Charity herself. How Now Butterfly. Yes. I have to read that. There is also a very, very good documentary. And it is called The Life I Had. And if anybody has Prime Video, if you go in the search bar and type in The Life I Had, it should pop up as free with ads on Freevee. If anybody needs help finding it or whatever, you can email me. I'll help you out. Because it's a good documentary. I have a list of books that I'm going to read. How Now Butterfly by Charity Bennett. Okay. Okay. So before I wrap this case up, I have to read Charity's victim impact statement. Because it just. You'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. And I actually voice to texted that. So there might be a few errors in there. So um, no laughing when I screw up. Mm -hmm. um, I'm done with my book, though. So oh, yeah. I get, find something wow. to talk about. I got to pull my computer out. I just, it's, it's so, you know, if I could go back in time or if I ever reincarnate, I don't even know if I believe in reincarnation, but um, <clears throat> I feel like I wouldn't have kids and I would, become a doctor that studies the brains of oh yeah absolutely these murderers Whoa. you know what i mean yep like i'm so intrigued or i'd become like elena and become a um what are they called she's a mortician uh, she no she's a tech autopsy tech oh yeah no i just love you um, want to be a forensic you want you want to be a medical examiner. That's yeah. what you want to be. You don't want to be a technician. Oh. You okay. want to do the real shit. Gotcha. I mean, tech. Not, not I am that. not shaming technicians. Y'all are amazing. But I think the real shit is the medical examiner. That'd be fun. Or a crime scene investigator. That would be cool, too. They get to go take the photos. They are the eyes and ears for the medical examiner. Mm-hmm. So there's that. But I just love oh, Ash I, and Elena. Oh my God, they're funny. Oh yeah. She's a, she is a autopsy tech. Yep. Okay. I got to figure out if I can select all of this and make it bigger. Oh, <laughs> you know, you got your readers on. Yeah, I know. Still but not this, big enough. No, you should have done that beforehand. I, 
really? <laughs> How do you select all? Is it control A? I have no idea. <laughs> Look at me. Oh, I'm well, smart. You're tech geek. Yes, I am. Let's change that to size 14. Oh, shit. Well, what'd you do? Well, I've got it all selected, but it won't change for me. You need me to read it? You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to. You oh. wanna know why? Why? Because my dictation, everything I screwed up, I didn't go back and fix because I remembered it up here. Oh, okay. So Got it. <clears throat> it's a long one, guys. Hang with me. We're gonna do the impact statement, the victim impact statement of Charity Lee. Here we go. So this is all quotes and this is directly from her. If I screw up, I'm sorry. A lot of what we have discussed these last two days has had to do with time and blame. How much time taken away from a life still being lived is enough to atone for a life taken? Who's to blame for this horror? There are the central, these are the central questions for the court. Since the time I need is short compared to the time my children face eternity and 40 years, I beg the court to give me the time I need to say what I survived five and a half years of a surreal nightmare to say, because for me, the offender and the victim's mother, the central issue is what is the best way to make something good come of my children's lives, not the amount of time we measure out as punishment. I've been writing this statement in my head ever since the moment I learned the first love of my life murdered the second love of my life. I know what needs to be said. I just don't want to say it, much less believe it. But I have no choice but to do either. Just as you have little discretion in enforcing the laws of the state of Texas, I'm left five and a half years after Paris murdered Ella, Ella with little discretion but to follow the dictate of both my conscience and my heart and speak the words. I still have a hard time believing what's about to come out of my mouth. I cannot sit up here and tell the court how my son's decision to murder Ella has made me suffer unless Paris proves otherwise to me. I believe one of the reasons he murdered Ella and decided not to murder me was to hand me a lifetime of suffering rather than 15 minutes of it. He has seen me suffer enough. Paris coldly and brutally took Ella's life from her. He took the people I love away from me. Two years after Ella's murder, he conspired with my mother and they sued me not once but three times on completely false and outlandish grounds. And he has frayed my mental health past the breaking point more than once. Yet I still did my best to be a good mom to him. And still he did everything he could after murdering Ella to make me suffer further. I refuse to give him any more of my suffering. Your Honor, you have daughters. You've seen the pictures, heard the evidence. I leave you to imagine the emotional pain I live with on a daily basis. That I ask you to multiply that by infinity and then maybe, just maybe, you'll have a small grasp of my pain. I'm not done. I just got to roll up here. I'm crying. Don't cry. It gets worse. I, I see your tears, honey. Because <clears throat> she essentially lost two, she two did. kids. Um, break my middle. Okay, here in open court, I'm going to focus on only one effect Paris's crime has had on my life because Paris murdered his sister. I know my son better than most mothers will ever know their children because Paris chose to murder his sister. He exposed himself to me in a way most children never do. For reasons I only partially grasp, I understand my son. If I didn't, it would be easy to hate him for what he did to Ella. I know many moms who hate their children for much less than what my child has done. I wish I did not understand Paris. Understanding his mind is not a pleasant understanding to live with. Being his mother is not a pleasant experience to live with. I observed growing up that parenting did not seem to be a pleasant experience for many in my family. 
but I had higher hopes for my parenting. When Paris was born, I promised him two things. I would never, I would love him no matter what, and I would be the best mom I could be no matter what. I've never failed to keep the first promise. I know I never once stopped loving my son. And once in the 13 years I had him safe in my arms for six months in 2005, I failed to keep my second promise when I relapsed. Self-hatred for breaking that promise is my sentence to live with. While many don't want or can't believe what I'm about to say, I say it to keep my second promise to Paris to be the best mom I can be no matter what. When you're the mother of a child you believe to be a psychopath, you have no idea how hard it is to know how to do that. I love my son, still want to be the best mom I can be in spite of the fact that I know Paris can't love me, can't see the beautiful reality of what I've done by loving him in spite of having every reason to hate him. The best the best Paris can feel about me is best summed up by his own words. I asked him once when he was 15 years old if he even loved me, cared if I stayed or went. His response, I love to hate you. I hate to love you. Not much has changed for either of us. The best plan I've come up with since accepting he is different and dangerous is to love him and do what I can to keep him safe in the world that he's chosen to live in. And unless he proves me wrong, Warn the world he is dangerous so he can never do to someone else and himself what he did to our family that night. What I know about my son is this. He is sick. He could care less that he's sexually assaulted and murdered Ella. He has a dark side that is dormant right now, but my son is dangerous under the right conditions. I truly believe he could kill again with as little as compunction with as little compunction about it as he had for what he did to Ella. I know he will experience the, those conditions on a regular basis once he is sent to prison. I sincerely hope he does not have to kill again because Texas has no concern for human rights. I know my son is a sadist, a psychopath, and a narcissist. I know what sadist, psychopaths, and narcissists can grow up to do, especially growing up as Paris will, have since the age of 13. We've already seen what Paris is capable of at the tender age of 13, after growing up in a home of a mother who loved him. Contrary to what my other so-called family members believe, I did not arrive at this conclusion on my own, and I did not arrive at this conclusion to absolve myself of all responsibility for Ella's death or to inflict some sort of twisted revenge on my son. I love my son. Always have, always will, no matter what. Revenge has never crossed my mind. That is how my family thinks, not me. The first person ever to call Paris the monster was actually his grandmother. I was the one who refused to believe it. I still refuse to believe that. No matter how many people call him that or how many times I hear it, Paris is not a monster. He is a human being. I know. I gave birth to him. He has no tail, no horns. I was the first to suspect Paris was lying about what happened that night he murdered Ella. The first to know he killed her on purpose. When I confronted him about it, he laughed, told me I was stupid because all of his life I always believed he was so smart, so amazing, so creative, so handsome. He was pleased, it seemed, with how he had fooled us all. They're telling him something along the lines of he was the only one who had deceived who had been deceived because he is all of those things and still is. But he decided to give in to his dark side and throw all of that away. Paris knows as well as I do, when he decided to kill Ella that night, he killed my Paris too. He made a choice to give in to what he calls his tentacles. They have not let him go. He's just learned to integrate them into, into himself and hide them underneath what most of you see as charming, educated, and well-mannered, intelligent, seemingly well-adjusted young man. I see all of that too, but maybe because I am his mother, maybe because I love him no matter what, maybe because he still likes to hurt me, he allows me to see those tentacles too. I can see them now. Trust me, they're still there. 
he can't help them anymore that he he can't help them any more than he can help breathing after that conversation with the new other pairs i began to believe there was something wrong something missing in my son that was april of 2007 right after what had been would have been ella's fifth birthday i'd like to thank dr c for pointing out pointing out to the court that in his opinion psychopathy testing is only done to suit the purpose of whoever's paying the bill for the testing because it was defense it was a defense paid expert who first told me my son is a psychopath as the court knows paris was handed to the custody of what is now the texas juvenile justice department in august of 2007 i settled in san antonio texas right after Right after I settled in, I received a phone call from Dr. C, who had been retained by the defense to address the issue about my child. I got to scroll this up. Sorry. He called, he said, because he felt a moral obligation to inform me of his opinion about my child, he told me he could not tell me what he was about to tell me before Paris's sentencing because he worked for Paris, not me. After he spoke his piece, I knew he couldn't have told me what he told me that day while I sat on my back porch hoping to start another life, took away the last chance, Paris took away the last chance I'd had in a normal life after the tragedy that instigated this call. He took that, <coughs> he took that chance away forever because what Dr. C told me, while too young to formally diagnose and although he had done no formal testing to verify his belief. It was his professional opinion, which Paris's lawyer had assured me was unimpeachable months before, that my son was a psychopath, that he had no conscience, that he was dangerous, and that the authorities in Texas did not have the skills necessary to cope with, the, with a child like him. He told me Paris would run circles around most of them. I didn't believe it. I asked him what he meant. He said, let me explain it to you in this way. I hope I did nothing to make your child mad at me during the interviews because he's the type of kid who will hold a grudge for 25 years, hunt down my grandchildren, and think nothing of taking it out on them if I made him angry enough. I asked him what I was supposed to do. He told me the same thing every professional life consultant has told me since. In a nutshell, get as far away from his, him as possible. He hates you. He loves you. It won't end well. I thanked him and I hung up the phone. I felt exactly the same as I did the night I found out Ella was dead. Devastated. Dr. Z, Dr. C had just told me essentially that my Paris was dead too. I still didn't believe him though. I couldn't. It took two more years of interacting with parents with Paris and the caseworkers and the doctor. He was running circles around to finally make me lawyer up and get my own doctor to perform the testing the state never bothered to do in the two years that Paris had been in their custody. In those two years, my son never shed one tear for what he did to Ella. And he grew angry with me every time I did. And he liked to tell me details about what he did to her that night, what he was thinking, how he felt, Details that still keep me awake at night. Details no mother should ever have to hear. It was my choice to sit there, my choice to endure whatever hell I have to live with because I hoped that if I showed my son that he could not stop me from loving him, he could not drive me away, that it would help him find his humanity. That if I showed him that he was loved enough to be human, dark side and all, instead he almost robbed me of my sanity and grew worse. I will say it again. I did not have my son tested to exact revenge on him or label him a monster. I despise that word. He is my baby. He is not a monster. I did everything I could to find out the truth about what was wrong with my son, no matter how bad the truth hurt, with the hope of finding a way to save him. I won't lie and say I've never been angry with Paris. I was. My anger almost killed me. But I did not take it out on Paris in the form of revenge. 
I took it out on myself and everyone else around me. When I felt I could not stop myself from wanting to lash out at my child, I told him I needed a break and walked away. What some call inconsistent behavior, I call trying to keep myself sane. Did you know that trained professionals suffer burnout after four and a half years of working with a psychopath? Try being the mother of one who murdered your child, then try sitting across from him for five and a half years, staring at the hands that you held 13 years in love and that also killed your daughter, and not ever feel anger at the fact that he could care less about you, her, or what he did to all of us. Of course I feel anger. At the end of the day, my anger is not what drove my decision to have Paris tested. What drove my decision was love, love that needed to know the truth. I contacted Dr. C, asked him for the names of the three best juvenile forensic psychiatrist assessors in the state of Texas, and did my research. Of the three, I chose Dr. M.F. I spoke briefly with Dr. F. before the testing, told him essentially the same thing I had just laid out here, provided him access to Paris's master file, and consulted with the Juvenile Authority's legal department, who approved the testing. To keep a long story short, because we all know Dr. F. performed his testing, I made sure the preliminary result results were included in Paris's master file and brought to the attention of every person who has worked with Paris since the tests were performed. But Paris did not complete the testing because when the test results came back suggesting a moderate risk for psychopathy and also suggesting that Paris was lying about the sexual components of his crime, which would increase his test scores, meaning they were more than likely to indicate he's a psychopath and a sexual deviant, he lawyered up. <clears throat> My belief is he was worried further probing into the sexual deviant part of his mind would hurt him in the legal arena. arena. So he stopped cooperating on the grounds I was only trying to hurt him. No test results could have been used to increase Paris's sentence that had already been handed down. The results were intended to increase awareness about the inner working of my child's mind to aid in his assessment and treatment. That's it. Still not wanting to believe either Dr. C's hunch based on a very respectable career or Dr. F's, per F's preliminary test results, I sent the results to three other internationally respected forensic psychiatrists. Each verified their preliminary results and in a last-ditch effort to prove everyone, including myself, wrong, I tracked down Dr. P.D., a forensic psychiatrist who performed assessments on Jeffrey Dahmer and the Unabomber, Unabomber, just to name a few. Dr. D. is the one who finally ended my search because Dr. D. is the one who told me he was not going to charge me, even though he had looked at everything I sent him. He told me to stop wasting my money on doctors, tests, and lawyers because I had wasted my money on really good ones, and they all agreed while too young to formally diagnose Paris, he has all the characteristics needed to be another Ted Bundy. He gave me the contact info for a risk management firm in California that can help me change my identity and advised me to do so because in his opinion, I would not be safe if Paris were released anytime soon. <clears throat> Before Paris killed Ella, I thought firms like this only existed in the movies. Now I know they exist in nightmares. I keep the number in my contact list and check every so often to make sure they're still in business. What happened from the time of the doctor's testing until today as laid out in Paris's file? It's much the same. It's much of the same about him and me. Only my contact with him grew less frequent until I finally had to stop it altogether in September of 2011. After reading what I refer to as my son's first mini manifesto, written to his caseworkers at the time he wrote it in May 2010, he never knew that I would read it. After I read it, I was convinced Paris is now a killer. What he wrote was nothing new, just more detailed. What he wrote made me vomit. 
What he wrote was the straw that broke my camel's back. Of course, he still blamed me for everything. That isn't what made me vomit. I'm used to that quote. He's only the only detriment to my treatment. He attempt, Paris attempts to sabotage any fundamental rights I possess, tries to deny, deny me any sort of comfort or solace, and acts viciously towards me and my family. Most everyone in this courtroom can attest to the fact that this, oh, my dictation's terrible, and will never be true. I've done and will continue to do just the opposite. Get him treatment and make sure his rights are not violated. Keep him as safe as I can with the means I've developed through the creation of the Ella Foundation. Paris is the only family I have. I've never acted viciously towards my son, even though most would understand if I ever did. I've never acted viciously towards the other so-called family that I did have. Did I yell at them? You bet. Did I cuss them out more than once? Did I take photos of my dead child away from them after they sued me? You betcha. Is any of that vicious, especially compared to Paris's actions or compared to the past actions of my so-called family, which are easily labeled vicious? No, not at all. Those were the acts of a mother and a daughter drowning in grief, anger, despair, and disappointment and finding no comfort from her own family. Those acts were not vicious. Every now and again in his manifesto, Paris slips and tells the truth. But even that wasn't the straw that broke my camel's back, made me walk away from my son for what I hoped was the final time. Obviously, I hope I can live with it. I wanted to lash out and viciously hurt someone to relieve the storm inside of me. I also chose... Oh, okay. This is supposed to be a quote. This is from Paris. I wanted to lash out and viciously hurt someone to relieve the storm inside of me. I chose Ella that night because I knew she was weak and that if I decided to go through with my plan, she could not offer enough resistance to stop me, unquote. What finally convinced me, finally made me stop worrying about what everyone thought of me. When I say my son is a psychopath, a narcissist, a sadist, finally made me do what I never thought I could do. Walked away from my child. Were these words written by my son? I could not bear the look. I could not bear the look in her eyes, which despite how dark the room was, I felt them boring into me. It was the most awful thing in the world. That's why I panicked and started to stab her. It was so awful for her, so sick, so heinous. I kept stabbing because I was horribly angry and also because I panicked and freaked out, unquote. But this is where my camel's back broke and the vial I had held back for five years finally came out. Ella could have been saved. Paris could have stopped. But he thought about it and chose not to save her, chose not to stop, chose to torture her, chose to terrorize her, chose to kill her, then chose not to kill me so I'd suffer until the day I die. And he has not lost any sleep about it since. That blew the final fuse left in my rational head. That was, that was when I knew. That was the new thing I never knew before I was finally convinced that my son is a sociopath. My son knew Ella could have been saved, and he decided she wasn't worth it and still doesn't care that he made that choice. No matter how much I love him, I had to walk away to focus on not losing what little grasp of sanity I had left after reading those words, to focus on keeping the promise I made to Ella the night she died, to make her death a meaningful one, to focus on not hurting him, and to prepare myself for today. I've done all of the above since I walked away from my son in September 2011. Barely, you have no idea what miracle it has taken to ensure I can sit here today sane, rational, full of love for my child to say these things about him. I've seen my son four times since we both arrived in Abilene. I thought until these last two days of court, we've reached a truce of, sort, of sorts, which makes everything I've just said about him that much more painful to say, which makes it that much more, 
painful to say that I see no change in him other than he is coming more fully into his personality disorder. To survive prison, no doubt he has to be predator or prey. Does he look like prey to you? I only have a couple more things to say, Your Honor, then I'm done, at least in this venue. I have a life to live, a foundation to run, and a child to keep as safe as I can if he'll let me. Out of all the people in his life, I still believe I'm the only one who loves him enough to do what's right for him and do what's right by him for the public. The last thing I have to say, I have to say to Paris, Paris, please look at me. If you can't look at me, I know you have been listening and committing to that voracious memory of yours everything that I've said. So make sure you commit this too, to play it over in your mind, deciding what to make of this moment between us. I love you, Paris. I love you all the time, as fiercely as you hate me. From time to time, you can't make me stop any more than I can make you stop from this point. From this point out, you're going to live your life and I'm going to live mine. I know you'll do what it takes to survive the world that you've chosen to live in. I accept you exactly as you are and love you no matter what. I know I can't have your love. You don't have it to give. But I've survived the worst that you can dish out to me anyway. I've matched you wit for wit and outwitted you more than you care to admit. Called you out when you needed to be called out. Loved you when you needed to be loved. And passed every test you've ever made me endure to prove something to the tentacles that are a part of you. You yourself had admitted I'm the only person you consider a worthy opponent. One thing you may not be old enough or experienced enough yet to know, Paris, is that sometimes you have to lay down your arms and ask your opponent for help, if only to fight another battle another day with her. I hope your voracious memory Num remembers the day someone tries to hurt you for being who you are. The beloved son of Charity Lee. The day someone hurts you, Paris, is the day they make an enemy out of me. I don't fight like you do, but if anything happens to you other than the loss of your freedom, I'll go after them with all I've got. After surviving what you did to Ella and loving the man you've become, I have a lot of go after in me. All you have to do is ask me for help if you need it. I tell the truth when I say I understand you. You know I do. It's my belief that one of the reasons we still get along oh, shit. so well, we were able to set aside our animosities for a brief moment is because everyone, even you, wants someone to love them enough to try to understand them no matter what. I promise you, kiddo, You'll always have that person in me. I will always love you. I will always try to understand you. I know who you are. I know what you're capable of. I know how you think. I've always loved you anyway. And hear this part well, Paris. Take it to heart. You miscalculated the night you chose to murder Elba. Ella. You underestimated me. Never underestimate me again, Paris. Never underestimate my love for you. Never underestimate my ability to figure you out. Never underestimate my ability to help you. Never underestimate my ability to stop you. Never underestimate my ability to survive you. You will never destroy me. You will never break me down or shatter me into a million little pieces. Never look at me again and think you have any power over me other than what I give you out of love. You are not you are not the one in control here. Love is. And never forget, I love you to the stars and back, just like always, no matter what. Your Honor, should you decide to send my child to, pr to prison today, I beg you to please grant me 15 minutes with my son, unrestrained, before he's sent to the closest thing to hell on earth I've ever visited. He's not going to hurt me, not today. Over the last five years, I've had a lot of time to think about what Paris did to Ella that night. 
I know as much or more about that night than anybody in this room other than Paris. Based on that knowledge, I estimate it took about 15 minutes for Paris to murder his sister, for Ella to take her last breath, for me to lose the life I so desperately wanted with my kids. I never had the chance to say goodbye to Ella in those 15 minutes. We both know if Paris decides to keep me in his life, the state of Texas won't let me touch my son, at least not for a long time. I'd like the chance to sit a minute with the last child that I have left, give him a hug, tell him I love him in private, and have a moment of peace with him to hold the hand that I've held the last 18 years when I or could, of course, have a moment of peace with him to hold the hand that I've held the last 18 years when I could. Of course, only if you both agree. For all I know, Paris may not want to be in the same room with me ever again after this. Somehow, I doubt that, though. Whatever the decision on that is, I, respect, I respectively ask your honor to rule according to the Texas Penal Code as you are obligated to do based on the evidence before you concerning my son's future. I will continue to do my best to keep my promises to both of my children, no matter what you rule. Thank you the opportunity to address the court. I have no words. Try reading all of that. No, I'm good. You know, a mother's love is truly the most unbreakable thing and she just proved all of that that was rough well with that take a deep breath um if you guys have any case recommendations any questions um let us know how the police call came in um minorsofmayhem at gmail.com you can email us at minorsofmayhem at gmail.com or shoot us a facebook message just search minors of mayhem in the search bar and it'll come up um and and if you enjoyed our episode and you're so inclined leave us a rate and review um in the meantime please refrain from being pawn scum life is too short and keep your happy asses safe out there. I'm done because I'm crying. I can't do no more. Be aware of your surroundings. Bye. Bye.